Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. I'm, this sermon was birthed out of what I have experienced and watched over the last week with Hannah and Talon and baby Cohen. And, and I really want to preach this and teach this and get this on audio so that when people begin to go through a crisis, they can go back and listen to this as, as a tool to help help us. Um, the the, the, the uh, title, I guess you will, is How to Navigate Crisis. I want to read one scripture, John 16, 33. It says this, These things I have spoken to you, so... That in me, you may have peace. There, look at me. There is no peace outside of him. These things I've spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace. Now, verses in me, in the world, you will have tribulation. Um, I am, I just turned 42 years old. I'm still a baby. Yeah, 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 amen. Uh, I'm, I'm still a baby. I know, I know a lot more than I did when I was 32. I know a whole, 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 whole lot more than I did when I was 22. And then when I was a teenager, I was brain dead. And, I, and like every teenager, for he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. For every teenager, you're brain dead, but you think everybody else is brain dead, but you know what you're talking about. You have no clue which way the world's even spinning. Amen? So be humble enough. Proverbs 30 verse 2 is a, is a proverb of wisdom. It says, surely I'm more ignorant than any man. There is deep wisdom in, in declaring it that you don't know everything. Amen. Anyway, I'm 42 and I'm starting to learn some things. And I've, I have gone through a few seasons of crisis myself, but I've also walked with people as a pastor for over 20 years now through crisis. And so maybe I can kind of just make a very rough skeleton at the age of 42 and just preach this little uh, sermon called how to navigate crisis. We've all been through crisis, and, and the fact is that when, uh, when living in this world, you're going to go through a trial or a tribulation. In Christ, we have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is absolutely the presence of faith in the midst of fear. Yes, yes. A, a false teaching is, is, is the idea that you are weak because fear is present. That's a false teaching. A real teaching is God will give you a courage or a strength or faith in the midst of fear that will help you overcome fear. Okay, so don't let the enemy beat you up for experiencing fear, but strengthen yourself in the faith that you come above and over fear. Amen. Amen? And so have courage. Jesus says, take courage. I have overcome the world. And therefore, if we go back to the beginning of the sentence, if I am in Christ, not only do I have peace, but I have the ability to overcome. Amen. That makes sense. So crisis is going to come knocking on all of our doors at some point in our life. It could be a, a hundred different scenarios. It could be a, a physical sickness that comes against you or a family member, like we're talking about with baby Cohen. It could be, um, it could be you're, you're, you're walking through a marriage that if God doesn't intervene, is going to go and come in divorce. It could be that you are um, you you unexpectedly lost your job and you, and you need uh, provision 
on a, not just like, I don't have enough money to buy the stuff I want. I don't have enough money to live. That makes sense? It could be anything that puts you in crisis, okay? Whatever it is, it, it, it really doesn't matter. If you're in crisis, you need to know how to walk through it. That's right. Amen? So I'm going to give you five things. I'm going to teach five things. I want you to write them down. Some of you have the discipline to get your phone out and make notes without getting on Facebook in the middle of the sermon. And some of you do not. Raise your hand if you don't. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been on your phone and then you're looking at social media and you go, how did I get here? Yeah, that's because that's, that's it's demonic. Anyway, so I'm sort of joking, but not really. But my point is, is... Um, so I want you to take some notes today. This is really about me laying just a blueprint out that, that will help you. If you're not in crisis right now, praise God. Amen. Amen. But if you are in crisis right now, this will help you. Or if one day you come to crisis, you can go back on our website. If, if you haven't signed up for our emails, you need to do that. Let me know. You need to do that. I send the weekly sermon out every week. Uh, you can also get on Apple Podcasts, Church at the Armory, and see every, um, every message that we, 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 that we preach, okay? And so five things that will help you navigate crisis. Everybody good? I'm going to try to teach and not preach because I'm afraid if I yell too much, there's going to be a big old loogie fly out of my mouth. This has actually happened to me before. Story time? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, no. Okay, no. Okay. Number one. Activate spirit mode. Let me just give you this thing. The first thing you got to do whenever crisis Crisis doesn't kind of just gently come into your life. Crisis punches you right in the gut. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, again, I, it could be anything. It could be anything I mentioned. It could be, it could be uh, the sudden loss of a loved one. It could be the slow burn of watching cancer overcome a family member's body. It could be lots of different things. But crisis, when it comes, it punches you in the gut. And most of the time for us believers, we're walking in the spirit. Okay, I really believe that. A lot of us are walking in the spirit, but sometimes something can hit you so hard in the gut, it knocks you into the flesh. So the first thing you got to do, the very first thing you have to do is activate spirit mode. What that means is spiritual mode is the decision to face this crisis through the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Spirit mode is the decision. I make the decision as soon as it happens that I'm going to navigate this, this process. I'm going to navigate this crisis via the Spirit of God. Not my flesh, not my soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. I will not navigate this crisis based upon my emotions, based upon how I think, based upon my, my, my desire or my will. I'm going to navigate this thing by the Spirit. That makes sense. So the first thing you got to do is, if, and I believe many of you are walking in the Spirit, crisis punches you in the gut. You've got to get yourself, you got to make a decision to walk through this thing in the Spirit. Every decision you're about to make needs to come through the Spirit. Every thought you're about to think needs to be the Spirit's thought and not this thought. That makes sense? And, and that, when those when your thoughts come up, you gotta, you got to go, okay, this is what Paul teaches, take captive of every thought. You got to take captive and you got to say, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to think about this thing from the spiritual point of view. Okay? And then you may have to do that a thousand times. Yeah, that's good. 
This is not a, this, it's, it's like marriage. It's, marriage is I don't just choose one day to be married. Marriage is I choose one day to be married, and for every day the rest of my life I choose to be married. So the same thing with, with this is you activate spiritual mode, and then daily you walk that spiritual mode out. And there's going to be days, there's going to be days when you feel spiritual, and, it's, and you are soaring with the Holy Spirit, wings of eagles, right? And there's going to be days where you feel like you're being drugged through the mud, the spirit man isn't based upon how you feel. The spirit man is based upon the confession of your faith. And you walk these things out according to the spirit and you don't, desire, and you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you're walking through a marital problem and you're in the flesh, it doesn't help your marital problem. Oh, don't shout me down. But if you're walking in the spirit, then then you're, you're tapping into a resource that's way beyond your personal ability to do something about it. Amen? And so my point is, is number one, activate spiritual mode. Activate spirit mode. Make the decision to face this crisis through the spirit. Many times church people will face the crisis in the flesh and tack on a few prayers like afterthoughts and call it spirit mode. You understand what I'm saying? Out of some sense of this is what we do when we go through things, we pray a few prayers. No, I need, I need you when you activate spirit mode to genuinely activate spirit mode and not treat the spiritual things like an afterthought to your crisis. You understand what I'm saying? You, you navigate these things via the Holy Ghost. Okay? So activate spirit mode. Remember this. I preached a whole sermon on this about four weeks ago about being spiritual, what it means to be spiritual. Being, quote, unquote, super spiritual is not being too spiritual. There is no such thing as being too spiritual. There is no such thing as being too spiritual. I don't even use that phrase, this person's too spiritual. Uh, uh, you're being too spiritual. Because really what we mean by somebody who's being too spiritual is they're acting like they're spiritual, but it's very disingenuous. It's not sincere. Paul said that our faith must be sincere. So what we, what we recognize is religious people acting spiritual, but we don't, what we're really saying is, I just don't believe what you're doing is real. But there's no such thing as being too spiritual. And when crisis comes, get very spiritual and get very sincere about it. Amen? Amen? But don't worry about why I'm being fake or I'm being I'm not being, I'm, I don't worry about like I'm being too spiritual. There's no such thing as about being too spiritual. It's, it's sincerity of heart. If your heart is sincerely activated in the spirit, don't worry about being quote unquote too spiritual. And when you come across somebody who's being quote unquote too spiritual, you don't mean they're too spiritual. You mean they're not real. And those of us with discernment can pick those people out and we don't judge them, but we say, uh, like Paul said, you need sincerity in your faith. Amen? So number one is activate spirit mode. And just, when I mean activate spiritual mode, this is the time to become the bulldog. Uh, God, through the prophet, prayed this prayer over the nation of Israel. And the, and the prayer was, I will make your forehead stronger than your enemy's forehead. And the prayer, the idea was, you're about to start headbutting the enemy. You, there's a bulldog tenacity where you begin to headbutt the enemy, but God will make your forehead stronger than your enemy's forehead. And there comes, whenever crisis comes, I need you to turn into a bulldog. I need you to, I need you to bite down on the promises of God and do not let go. Amen? So the first thing we do is activate spiritual mode. The second thing we do is kind of linked to number one. It's kind of how you do that, and that is very simply Pray. I'm going to make a point that it needs to be understood by every person in the room. Jesus Christ was in legit crisis, facing his gruesome death on the cross. So much stress, so much anxiety in his body, he is bleeding from his pores. If Jesus Christ, facing crisis, had to go get alone and pray, 
Why in the world would we think we don't need to? That makes sense? Why in the world? If the king of kings who is facing crisis says it is, not only does he go and pray, he takes 12 or 11 at this point men with him and, and, and commands them to pray with him and, and pray. And they're all in the garden and he is facing the biggest crisis he's ever faced and he needs to pray. There comes this thing whenever crisis comes when we'll retreat and we'll hold up and either you will retreat into the arms of God or you'll retreat and you'll isolate and you'll, become, and you'll, and you'll shut everything else out, including God. Okay, don't be that, that, don't be that guy. The way you don't be that guy is, the, is as quickly as you can, go find a place of prayer. I don't care if your pray, place of prayer looks like David or one of the psalmists where they're going, God, what is going on here? But the, the secret sauce to David in the Psalms wasn't the fact that he would, quote, unquote, asking these difficult questions of God. The, the secret sauce was he was going to God. And so you may go to God and you may be full of anger or rage or disappointment or hurt or fear or worry or anxiety. All that's okay as long as you go to God with it. So go to the place of prayer. Do not, 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 no way under any circumstance avoid getting in prayer. But see, if you haven't made the decision to approach this spiritually, you're not going to make the decision to pray. Ask yourself this question. Do you actually believe that prayer works? Do you really believe that praying to God produces as much result as talking to man? Prayer works. Whenever crisis comes, we often feel like something's happening to us. Like you get caught up in the twilight zone and you have no control and it's just, it's just taking you for the ride. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay, come on. If you have a hand, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And, and when crisis comes, it just, whatever the crisis is, begin to just take you for the ride. And you feel like you, you really don't have a lot of control over anything. And you just feel like you're just, you're swept up in the moment and it's just taking you for the ride. About the only thing that can change that is prayer. Physically, you may not have a lot of answers or ability to change that. Emotionally, you may not have one ounce of control over your emotions. They're here one moment, they're here one second, they're here one second, they're all over the map. About the only place you have any authority over the situation is to get with God in a place of prayer. And that's the only place you can change from what's happening to you to now you are happening to it. That makes sense? Place of prayer is the place of authority. When we declare and we pray and we take authority over the, our, our crisis in the place of prayer, it is for real. Somebody say amen. It is for real. And you may, and, and, and you may have no, and I'm not, the control is the, 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 the terrible word to use, but you may have, you may feel like a, a goose in a snow, snowstorm just being tossed to and fro and all this kind of stuff. But in the place of prayer is where you can and God will give you a word. God will give you something to stand on. And then you can anchor to that. Which is, I'm, I'm getting there. I mean, that's the one place in prayer where you feel like it's not happening to you, but you're actually having some sense of authority over your situation. Does that make sense? And then from the place of prayer and from the place of the spirit, that begins to leak out into the physical realm in the soulless realm. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? So that brings us to number three. I'm going to call it, I'm going to say it this way. I'm pretty sure I'm spelling these words right. 
anchored down, hold fast. What this means is that now that you've made the decision to approach this thing from the Spirit, you've gone to prayer, you have made yourself completely available to God's Word, and He's going to give you some anchor point to tie your life to. Make sense? And you will tie your life to this thing, and then your job from that point forward will be to be anchored by what the Lord says and just hold fast. I'm going to explain those two things. Best way I know how to describe this is uh, back in, the, I think it was the 90s or 2000s, there was this cool movie came out called Twister. Anybody watch that movie? Twister. All right. And in the movie Twister, they're like these storm chasers. And they get caught in the path of a tornado. And they go out to what everybody should do when you're in the path of a tornado, go out to the tool shed. That'll make sense in a little bit. Anyway, they run to this tool shed. And in this tool shed, there's these pipes that are anchored in the ground. And they take these straps and they tie them. They tie them around the waist and they tie them to these anchored anchor points, these, these pipes in the ground. And when the, and when the tornado comes across, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. The tornado comes across, it blows away the tool shed, and it's so funny, but they're like being, you know, sucked up in the air. But they can't be sucked all the way into the storm because they're anchored to something in the ground. This is what it's like to get a word from God and to anchor yourself to that word. And to hold fast. The storm is coming. The storm may be here. Your ability to navigate the storm is your ability to, by faith in the Spirit, anchor yourself to what God has said. You're teaching, you're not preaching. You're teaching, you're not preaching. You're teaching, you're not preaching. The anchor could be anything. And I have seen... I have seen with, with Town and Hannah, it'd be pretty much everything I'm about to explain to you on the list. It could be a song. It could be a scripture. It could be a dream. It could be a vision. It could be a word of encouragement from another person. It could be a prophecy or any of the spiritual gifts. Anything that you can use that God gives you as an anchor point for your faith, You've got to believe that what God says is more real than what your eyes see and what your ears hear. And you've got to tie your faith to that point. And the wind may come and it may try to suck you out of this situation into the abyss and destroy your life. But if you have anchored your soul, your spirit, your mind, your will, if you've anchored yourself to that thing when the wind comes and you hold fast, the, the sailors used to, ha, used, to, used to tattoo on their knuckles two four-letter words, H-O-L-D-F-A-S-T. And the idea that back in the day, what they would do is whenever they were, they were, they were uh, navigating their ship through a storm, they would hang on to the guidelines that controlled the sails. And that wind was whipping and that storm was blowing. And, it would, and, and literally, they would look at their knuckles, white knuckles, and they would just remind themselves, don't let go of the rope. Hold fast. Hold fast. If you don't let go, you win. And so the the thing is, is you've got to anchor to something. And nothing in the flesh is, nothing in the flesh is is, uh, anchored in the rock. A wise man builds his house on the rock, the teachings of Christ. A foolish man builds it on an unstable foundation. When the storm comes, it blows it away. And and, and the, the, the things of this world, there's nothing in the rock to anchor yourself to. And you may look like a fool, but you may be anchored. You may look like a crazy person, but you're anchored. You understand what I'm telling you? So anchor down. Hold fast. So this is where 
that, that, those first three steps, they happen pretty quickly. Okay? The gut punch comes. Ooh, got to get in the spirit. I go and pray. He gives me a word. God's not up there. God, if we want to talk about what, what uh, uh, God being evil or God not being good, God's not up there watching you go through a situation, dangling some hope out there, just, just toying with you. God actually desires to put the hope of his glory on your life. He actually, he actually desires, he reaches his hand down first for you to grab onto. Then once you grab on, oh no, you never let go. Draw, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the, we, we, we immediately, this, these, those three steps hold, those three steps happen pretty quickly. We activate spirit mode, we pray, and we anchor down. I don't want to tell a lot of stories from Town and Hannah and, and Baby Cohen situation because when they come back, I'm just going to give Town the microphone one day and just let him just do the whole kit and caboodle testify. And it's going to be, we're going to just, we're going to dance and stuff. But I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to tell this story. They, the day of the surgery, which was Wednesday, uh, may I take a drink of, um, Water. Starting to, starting to sound like Kermit the Frog. Wednesday, they had the surgery. But before the surgery happened, we met in a chapel as well. And Town and Hannah sent a group text because in the, in the area of the hospital they're in, like only like three or four people could go. So there's like, you know, 10 of us and we all couldn't go where they were. So they're like, we're going to meet in the chapel. We need to talk to you guys. Now, you expect first-time parents having their first child, having open-heart surgery at three weeks old, you expect them naturally to be kind of freaked out. Amen? Um, and no one would have thought anything other than you're just normal for being freaked out. So they get there. All of us are gathered around in the chapel. Hannah sits down, Talon sits down, and they begin to tell us. We're there to tell them. Man, God's got this. Hang on. Jesus has got this, right? We're there to tell them. No, 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 no. Let, they sit down. We've got some things to tell y'all. And she begins reading the scriptures that God has given her over the last year. She begins pointing out. The Lord says this. The Lord's I mean, just like punching this thing in the spirit realm. And we're sitting there going, well, yes. Yes, indeed. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? Right? Well, yes, 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 yes. And so, and so literally the one needing the encouragement, they've already decided that they're going to activate spiritual mode. They've already been in the place of prayer, and they've already anchored themselves to the word of God. And then we're just like, well, we'll hang on with you. <laughs> Amen? So, so much wisdom in this. So much maturity in this. Number, but so those things, those three things kind of happen pretty quickly. God will give you a word soon. I mean, I, I told this story a thousand times. Uh, Missy's parents at the age, uh, she was in her 30s. She, their parents are getting divorced, okay? And it's just breaking her heart. And for the first two or three nights, she's crying herself to sleep. I'm holding her hand. She's in bed. She's crying herself to sleep. And then one night, like night three or four, uh, in the middle of the night, I, I, I don't, she's not even in bed. Where are you, right? I, oh, no, she's up, she's probably up in the living room just bawling her eyes out having a moment I need to go be there for her. so I get my I get I get on I get my bathrobe on I'll go out into the living room no 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 she's sitting there in the place of prayer and God is giving her a word and she wrote these things out she wrote them down and she tied her spirit man to these things that God these scriptures that God had given her and she decided to hold fast to the word of the Lord and from that moment forward she approached the situation completely different does that make sense? Because she found something to anchor herself to. So this kind of, the first three steps happen pretty quickly. And then number four, now the test comes. Now the test comes. This is exactly where we're at with, um, with 
the report we gave you this morning, like he went through, the, he, I'm telling you, they said he, w- he was very close to death on Friday night or this boy needs a complete heart transplant to the point where now he's having a surgery. God moved and now he's having a surgery and everything is like looking a, a, a way, way better than it was. But so now all these things happen fast and now we're at the point where we're having to hold fast to the word of the Lord. The days start getting a little longer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The adrenaline of the, of the situation and the first push is, is, is kind of, you're just trying to come down off the high and you really got to hang on to the word. Okay? Now, in, in an effort of hell to get you to let go of what he has said, enter some characters. I like to call them Job's friends. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Job's friends. Job's friends are going to come. How many of you have ever been through a crisis and someone came and gave you terrible advice? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. There's almost no way to avoid Job's friends. Job's friends are going to come. And the test of Job's friends is not that you hear what they say or not. The test is, are they able to change your mind from what you heard in the place of prayer and what you're holding fast to? Does that make sense? So Job's friends come. Listen to me very clearly on these next two points. If you isolate to try to avoid Job's friends, you have done yourself, uh, you've done your ability to navigate the crisis no good. As a matter of fact, you're playing right into the strategy of the enemy. There is this, what I would call, never mind, I'll get there later. Job's friends are, the story of Job is real, is real clear. He's a man walks with God. Satan comes to God and says, let me, let me, let me uh, you know, I need, I, need, I need somebody to pick on. God says, have you considered my servant Job? All right, I'll go do that. Job has crisis times a million in his life, right? How I many know the story? Raise your hand. How I many know the story? Okay, his world is falling apart. And on top of his world falling apart, his children dying, his, his, uh, his, his property, his possessions being destroyed. Now he's sick on top of that. Okay? There, let me just time out for a second. When you're the one sick, it is hard to do these things. Right? It's difficult to do these things, which is the exact reason why James says, call on some other people, elders, to help you out. That makes sense? Because when you feel bad, it's hard to really dig and get into the spirit. You can. I remember when I had, I remember when I got COVID and I spent five days in the hospital. I remember it was day like 16 before I had a breakthrough in the spirit. Got home and in the middle of the night, I finally had a breakthrough in the spirit where I felt like I had gotten myself into a, a really good place with the Lord. It took a little bit because whenever you're the one sick, it's, that's when it's the hardest. That's why you need help. Yes. And anything that causes you to isolate from help is the strategy of the enemy. Right. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying this morning. Whatever you're going through, anything that causes you to isolate is 100% the devil's plan and you're playing right into it. So listen. Job's friend come, and they don't have the words you have. They haven't been in the place of prayer you've been in. And they're going to give you their fleshly opinion. And you have a decision to believe the flesh out of the mouth of another person or to believe what the Spirit says. So listen. I want to say this first. You have to understand the motive of their heart because listen to me very clearly. Just so we can put this thing in full perspective. 
Almost everybody in this room has at one point been one of Job's friends. Giving advice to another person going through crisis because we hurt so bad for them, we spoke from our flesh and didn't speak by the Spirit. Wasn't even that we were just bad people. It's just whenever you, 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 whenever you are led by your emotion, you speak from your emotion. You're not speaking from the Spirit. It's okay to be emotional as long as you got to emotion by the Holy Ghost. And so we've all been Job's friend. We've all given bad advice. Amen. So understand the motive of their heart, but you have to resolve your own faith. You got to hold fast what the Lord has said, even when your closest friends are saying, I don't know about that. You should probably curse God and die. And this is what you do to Job's friends, because you can't avoid them. And if you start becoming some kind of hermit and living in a hole by yourself, you're planning the, the, the plan of the enemy. So what you have to do is tell them the way you want to believe. And they have to decide to anchor themselves to your word or they just go about their own merry business. So it's okay to look at Job's friend and say, no, 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 I, lie, I love you. I, I thank you that you're here. Um, but you need to uh, probably, this is what you need to hear. This, this, is, what I, this is what Hannah did. This, let me tell you as the one going through the storm how you're going to believe. And you can either join with us in faith or you can take a walk in love. Amen? And so here's what we do. That's how we navigate Job's friends. Now, little side note here. If you are a friend or a companion of someone going through crisis, write this down. If you're the companion of somebody going through crisis, if your best friend's going through something or, or your spouse or whatever it is, they're going through something, do this. Number one, say what the word says. I got one amen. That's terrible. Say what the word says. Number two, say what the Spirit says. Number three, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this. Check your opinion at the door. Again, I go back to Jesus. If Jesus would only say what the Father's saying, if Jesus would only say and do what the Father's doing, why do we feel the need to do extra? Yeah. Check your opinion at the door. The Lord may guide you and give you scripture and give you confirmation to speak into the situation, but you have to learn the difference between speaking from your soul and speaking from your spirit. And honestly, there's some Christians who just haven't figured it out yet. You've got to know the difference of speaking from the flesh, the soulless realm, and speaking from the spirit. And what you want to do is speak from the spirit because the spirit realm is what changes things. And then number, number five, sometimes the best thing you can say is nothing at all. Uh, the Proverbs teach us that multitude of words come sin. Sometimes the best thing you can say is I'm here for you, I love you, and let me sit here and hold your hand. Yep. And under your breath, you're Shonda, la, la, la. Right? Yes, Just, okay? So if you're one of Job's friends, if you're a friend of somebody, not Job's friends, this is how you don't be Job's friends, is you say what the Lord says. Okay? Number five, and I'm done. The church. I'm going to read my notes here. The church is not a cookie quarter, cookie cutter organization designed to fulfill religious duties. The church is the people of God walking through life together. The church is not an organization. The church is a group of people who are walking spiritual life out together. 
Amen. They're walking through life together in demonstration of God and his kingdom and his kingdom way of life. The people of God, there's so many different scriptures about like how the church lives and how the people of God live versus how the world lives. One of them talking about people who grieve. says, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. There's a way the world grieves and they grieve like people with no hope. The church, they grieve differently. It's still very much grief, but it's grief with hope attached to it. So there's a difference. And so what we do as a church is when we walk through a situation like grief together, we walk through that situation together and, and, and we do it the kingdom way. We don't do it the world way. We do it the God way, by the Spirit. I want to say this. If you do not prioritize church family when not in crisis, let's try that one more time. I didn't have the right foot forward. If you do not prioritize church family when not in crisis, you have set yourself back in being able to navigate crisis when it comes because you absolutely need the people of God to walk through life. The saddest thing has not been what's happened with Cohen. Sherry would tell you this. Because what Tana and Talon and Cohen have had is an unbelievable support called the body of Christ, backing them in faith and backing them in prayer. The saddest thing is to watch some of those moms who've been in that waiting room for seven months and they're all alone. Right? They're all alone and no one's there. And I want to go, where is your people? Where is your church? Where is your pastor? Where is your people to walk through life with you. Does that make sense? I don't want to know what it's like to have to walk through hell by myself. Oh, but you'll have Jesus. But his body, the body of Christ is right in this room. And to have Jesus walk through you is to have his body hold your hand as you walk through it together. The plan of the enemy is always... When a wolf attacks the sheepfold, he always finds the isolating sheep who's weak and isn't with the pack or isn't with the herd. And he goes after the isolated sheep. So being a part of the body is not just going to church because that's what we do on Sunday. It's the commitment to walking out this life in which at some points trials and tribulations and storms may come, but I have a company of people who will walk through hell with me. The idea that, okay, hear me. The idea that church people need to be avoided when in crisis is exactly the isolation tactic the enemy wants to employ. This doesn't mean that everybody gets a free-for-all to speak into your situation. Somebody say amen. Okay? But it does mean that you want, this is what you want. You want to be supported in prayer and faith by a company of believers that's bigger than you and more than just a select few. You want a thundering cloud of witnesses fighting on your behalf. You want an army walking with you as you fight this battle, not just a couple of skilled soldiers. You want an army, okay? And I'm here to tell you right now, I want to get, if I, if I ever have to go through a crisis the way they have gone through a crisis, I pray to God that my phone dings and I look down and there's a 30 plus minute video of a group of 150 people who are crying out to God on our behalf. I don't want to know what it's like to walk through the darkness by myself. I don't want to know what it's like to walk through the shadow and well, Jesus is with you, but his body. I don't want to know what it's like to try to navigate this life that we'll have trials, that we'll have tribulations and be so stinking falsely spiritual that I can do this on my own. And that I, I, I got to protect myself as a matter of fact. 
There's such this pious Christianity that is baloney, Greek in the spirit you can get, okay? It's baloney that says, I got to protect myself. I got to do this thing where other people don't damage my faith. As if your faith in God is some kind of fragile porcelain figure that can be crushed. One mustard seed. One mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. But we want to walk around and protect this faith as it's a fragile piece of broken glass that everybody else is out to destroy. Get real. I don't even get me started about flying on certain planes. Okay, never mind. The idea that we're so spiritual... That I can do this on my own is, a, is 100% the enemy. 100% the enemy. Yeah, you can do this. Uh, matter of fact, why don't you, Adam and Eve, go hide yourselves? Hide yourself. I said I wasn't going to preach, and I ended up preaching. I'm sorry. I believe, I believe bad faith teaching has led us to believe that faith is fragile. And must be protected from church people. Far more often, I can think of one or two instances where Jesus couldn't do many miracles because the vast majority of the city or town didn't have faith. Every other time, if there was something to work with, God moved. So you've got to come to me and tell me that you're surrounded by people with a whole company with no faith. Uh, that might be that church out there. It ain't this one. Amen. Well, I can tell you after last week, it ain't this one. Amen. People slapping the floor, crying out God's name. Let God arise. People with tears down their eyes. People with words. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm just telling you, uh, the, the church is not the people that need to be avoided. The New Testament paints a picture of the body of Christ's unity Believing together for heaven to respond to your crisis. It was when the, when the Holy Spirit fell and shook the entire room, it was a prayer meeting where they gathered together to pray for somebody, one of the apostles who was in prison. And the Holy Ghost fell so powerful, it shook the entire room. Don't you think that if you were in prison and you come to a prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit shaking the whole room and you go, uh, well, this is definitely not what we need to avoid. Um, what else? Um, burden sharing, overtly New Testament principle, that we share each other's burdens, right? So here's my point. Number one, you activate spiritual mode. You pray. In that place, God gives you a word, gives you something to anchor your faith, to tie yourself off to, and you hang on. Job's friends are going to come. When they come, you tell them how to believe. As a person who's been Job's friend before, I just don't know. I didn't know what to say, so I just started talking and said dumb stuff. Don't sit there and look at me that way. You know what helps me? I walk into a room and somebody says, Pastor, this is what we're going to pray for. All right. I can tie myself to that. Let's go. So tell them what to believe. Tell them how to pray. Number five. It is a privilege of my life to do life with you. I feel zero desire to ever protect myself from you it is a privilege of my life to do life with you and if I gotta walk through something and you're willing to walk through it with me that means more to me than all the accolades whatever you could do but being in a group of people who love you enough that they'll walk through your hell with you. How do you put a price tag on that? What compares to that? 
All you got to do, all you have to do to have that is just plug yourself into the body. All you got to do to have that is just make yourself a part of the family. Amen? Amen? So this is on this is on tape, if you will. This is recorded. If you know somebody going through a crisis, send this to them. It might help them out. Amen? Amen. Um, God is moving. Um, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Amen. I want to finish just by saying this. I really do believe I preached a message, not because I think this church needs it. I preached it just to have it on, have it on recording so everybody who else needs it. I'm telling you, the way you church came together last week to do work, to do war on behalf of that baby boy, I mean, it just, I, I am the luckiest pastor in the world. I really am. Your faith, your sincere and genuine desire to support them in prayer. I've had so many people ask me questions, okay? How are they doing all this kind of stuff? I just love the way you love the people. And here's the thing. This is what I love about this church. We've been through hell, and we're tight right now, and we know how to walk through stuff together. Amen? And here's what I'm saying to you. Here's what I'm saying to you. Crisis may come, but in him... There's peace. In him, there's peace. I go back to what I go back to what Jim. I preached that sermon on um, the shield of faith as I went through the armor of Christ, and we all link our swords together and we build this impenetrable, impenetrable wall of faith as our shields of faith are linked together. And this is what church looks like. It looks like all of us coming together and creating this, this wall of faith and then walking them through. Does that make sense? And so um, I hope that we, I hope none of you are experiencing what Town and Hannah are experiencing right now for a long, 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 long time, or if ever. Amen? I would not wish that on my worst enemy. Okay? But what I am hoping is that as we do life together, and I look around this room and I can, I, I know your stories. I see, I see all the, I see all the things you've gone through, and all the, th- and, and, and it's, and there's, it's not like we're having a competition. We're like, well, what they went through was worse than what they went through. And there's people in this room who've gone through major crises, and they can tell you stuff that I ain't even thought of yet. Amen. And they can tell you how to navigate these things. But here's the point. If we get spiritual, if we know how to pray, if we know how to anchor ourselves, if we know how to deal with Job's friends, and we know how to do it together, together then I really do believe there is no weapon of the enemy formed against us that's able to prosper. Okay? Okay, stand up on your feet.